This is a podcast from Minute Media. That is, it, 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 when you told me that we were approaching 100, that, that's shocking. Like, I can't, like, I know we've done a ton of shows, but I never thought, I didn't think we were near 100. I don't know why. Like, uh, I, I just, I don't know, it just hasn't felt like it's been that many, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad. It's, 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 this podcast has actually gone on longer than I even think of it, because I, I, I was going back and looking at the archives. I was like, man, we started a long time ago, and it's, it's kind of cool at the point now where, like, you know, guys will retire or things like that. And it's like, oh, you know, we got a pretty good catalog of, of episodes here where, you know, somebody was talking about Jason Williams the other day on my newsfeed. And I was like, hey, if you guys are interested, I did a whole show on, you know, Jason. And it, it's just stuff like that that kind of comes up every so often where I'm like, oh, we, we, we've done a pretty good job. But 100, it seems, doesn't seem like we're at 100 yet, but we are. Yeah, so. we are. We are. We, as long as we counted correctly, which I believe we did. We have, this is our 100th, 100th episode <laughs> here. Of, At the very least, we're very close. No, I think, yeah. I think we, 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 we do have it. So, um, <laughs> so what? better um what better thing to talk about than uh wilt chamberlain's 100 point game we've already kind of uh extolled the virtues of, of wilt and uh, gone through some of the uh, most um uh, impressive stats of his career but we didn't really do that much on the 100 point game and um i recently uh in audiobook form listened to uh wilt 1962 via book by um gary pomerantz which is awesome highly recommended for anyone to uh to read or or, or listen to uh so i and this also kind of dovetails with uh, the next show that we're going to do which is going to be looking at the uh at wilt's philadelphia warriors and their rivalry with the uh, with bill russell's boston celtics for our wrestlemania series so you know why not just seemed to all kind of come together, and we uh, we decided we would compile a hundred facts about the uh, about Wilt's one hundred. So yeah. uh, so here we go. And we did it. We did. We did it. It was it was a little worrisome there. We were at like thirty, and I was like, oh boy, this is. Uh, but it, it, then once you get in the rhythm, though, it wasn't that bad. Then I railed off like, no, we got, we got a hundred solid facts in this yes, thing. Yes, like, absolutely. Uh, so um, are we going to say the number and then talk? No, no so people know that. We, um, well, I don't know. Uh, do you want to do that? I, uh, I I'm just wondering if people are going to not know what, what when one fact ends and the other. You know, I I don't think I'm right. going to care. But you could I uh, honestly, if you care that much that we actually have a hundred facts, which we do, we have the list right here. We can we can send it to Google Doc if you want. I don't care yes. how you want to do it. I'm just yes. I'm just in, in case it's possible. Says, hey, there was only the 97. Facts. Like. <laughs> right. Yes, it's possible some of the facts might be combined. So we'll we'll just see how it goes. If we remember, we'll yeah. do it. If we uh, if we don't, we we won't. So, uh, so fact number one, uh, pretty obvious one, but I guess it, must, it should be stated. Uh, we'll Chamberlain scored 100 points in a single game on March 2nd, 1962, in a Philadelphia Warriors 169-147 win over the New York Knicks, and this took place in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah, neutral site. Neutral site, yes. <laughs> we'll, game, yeah. we'll get into a little bit more why that was in, uh, yeah. further on. But um, but Wilt, uh, he had spent the night bef- uh, before the game in New York where he had a club, and he was partying all night with a female companion before dropping her off at home at 6 a.m. Uh, Just one, though. Yeah. Just one, so you know what, hey. So. Then, uh, then traveled to Philadelphia and later on in the game. Uh, slept little, if at all, um, before the evening's game, but, uh, but, but managed to um manage to still do pretty well 
Uh, and this performance, it still holds eight individual single game records, which we'll uh, get into. But it's still a uh, some of them have been broken, but many of them have not. Obviously, 100 being the a key uh, thing. Uh, the previous scoring records, Wilt had had already set a single game record of 78, but that was in three overtimes um, on December 8th, 1961. So barely uh, three months before this, uh, which had beaten Elgin Baylor's previous mark of 71. And in that same game that Wilt had 78, Baylor actually actually had 63 and the Lakers had won that game. So, um, so, so Wilt was, you know, early on was just looking to kind of break the, uh, you know, the regulation record and then break the single game record. And then later on in the fourth quarter it became apparent that he, uh, was going to get a lot more than that. And, uh, and the chase was on, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, number five out of the, uh, the top five single scoring, uh, the single game scoring marks ever in league history. Uh, Chamberlain has all but one of them. And, uh, more, I think more interestingly enough, and we've talked, a little bit about this as well. Three of them came during the 1961-62 season, so he was just out of control that season. He was just absolutely nuts, head and shoulders above the league at that point in terms of scoring. So yeah, that season he has three of the top five uh, single-game scoring marks ever in league history at that point. So it's it's fascinating. And then uh, six, I want to look a little bit at who got close. So of course, as you, um, or as most people know, you know Kobe Bryant had 81 in 2006, but there's a few others as well. David Thompson uh, had 73 in 1978. Uh, David Robinson somewhat famously got 71 in 19. 1994 and then michael jordan got 69 in 1990 so there you go nice yep someone can <laughs> um the game took place as we mentioned for what it's worth nice is in our google Doc it is in notes. Our google Doc, so yeah. in case people are wondering just so we didn't forget to say nice yeah well uh, yeah. we put it in there, it's, so it's, it's good rich way to <laughs> way, way to give up the ghost there so yeah well you know hey yeah um Transparent transparency. There, there you go. How a hundred episodes of transparency. Uh, transparency indeed. Um, <laughs> the game took place as we mentioned, March second, nineteen sixty-two, and that was actually the day that John Bon Jovi was born in uh, in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey, which uh, is a, a couple hours away from uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, like two and a half hours, I believe. So, um, so there you go, John Bon Jovi. They so were definitely not watching this on TV though, are, because uh, yeah. we'll get to that later. Yeah. Are, <laughs> but, uh, are, are you a Bon Jovi fan, uh, Rich? Uh, I'm kind of neutral. I, I, one word, I don't really care yeah. one way or another. It just never did anything for me like emotionally whatsoever. It could be my age as well. But yeah. I, I, uh, oh. you know, if you get a few drinks in me, I can, I can enjoy living on a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been to many a baseball game where living on oh, prayers yeah. has belted out. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. I mean, that, that essentially that's it for my Bon Jovi, uh, love slash hate. That's like fair. I, it, yeah, that's, uh, you know, yeah. Sorry. I don't, have, I don't have much for him. So. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Wanted Dead or Alive was a was a really big song when I was 11. I remember, uh, you know, oh, Young Guns that's too. Not a so, song, yeah, well, that's a pretty, you know, so. to each their own. So um, <laughs> among jerk. All right. And we're done. And that's it for 100. <laughs> Who knew that that would be that, the breaking? Right. Point. Yeah. It's very show. Um, this uh, among the records that it uh, set uh, most field goals in a game with 36 and attempted in a game with 63. Also, the most uh, field goal uh, field goals uh, attempts and successful in a half with 22 and 37. And those records are all still um, uh, are, are still um, intact. So. Yeah, absolutely. The, the the only guys, and there's a few that have come close to 63 attempts, but it's really, it, it's not even close. And this is since 1983, uh, just so you know, so this is people that have come close. Uh, Kobe had 50 in 2006, or 16 rather, you might have seen that game, but uh, uh, it was recently, so I'm sure you all have. Uh, Jordan uh, had 49 in 1993. Uh, Kobe, once again, he had 47 in 2002. And then surprisingly enough, Chris Webber, I was a little surprised by this. In my notes, I have 2011. I don't believe that happened in 2011. I believe that happened in 2001, unless I missed the <laughs> crazy Chris Webber. Weber came a few years ago. Uh, yes. came, maybe came maybe as a member. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he came out of retirement, limped his way to a 
the Philadelphia 76ers to 47 shy attempts. And I believe that was 2001 uh, for Mr. Chris Weber there. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, talking a little bit, we'll, we'll get to a little bit more of the details, but Wilt's, uh, Wilt's free throws in this game were insane. And, and we'll get, of course, we'll get into more details here. But um, for him, he shot 87.5% in that game. And a lot of people look at that as one. I, I, I would say it's probably the sole reason why this record happened because, you know, as you'll know, and we'll talk again a little bit later about it, uh, the Knicks started following him, trying to slow the game down, trying to get, you know, saying that's a good strategy against Wilt. And it's it very unprecedented for him to have this good a field goal percentage or a free throw percentage because, um, you know, look at his all time records. He had a few games at 100 percent where he made all of his free throws. But uh, the highest one in that was like seven free throws attempts. So that's nothing compared to what he had here. Uh, the next highest, he had 88.9 with nine attempts that, you know, it's still nine attempts. And then he tied uh, 87.5 once in his career uh, with 16 attempts in 1970. But for the most part, I mean, I think it was a 55 percent free throw shooter might even been a little bit lower than that. So for him to have 87.5 percent in this game, it's just it, it's just completely unprecedented. Um, and as we go on. You know, yeah, exactly. Well, and the attempts will get into some craziness of that as well. I mean, it's just a, 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 a shocking game for Will Chamberlain, and and obviously one of the big reasons, and I, I will say the biggest reason why he got this record is is hitting eighty seven point five percent of those free throws and getting fouled too. It certainly helps, yes, but yeah. absolutely. So um, there were uh, four thousand one hundred twenty four people in attendance at the Hershey Sports Arena, which was built in nineteen thirty six. Um, among the famous events that it held were a, uh, a birthday celebration for President Dwight Eisenhower in 1953 and the third ever Saturday Night's Main Event in 1985, which is the infamous Halloween episode where the wrestlers wore costumes, took part in party games, including Randy Savage and Elizabeth as Tarzan and Jane. Yeah, that's, that's a great episode. Yes. I, I actually watched that one when the WWE Network came out. That was I was going through all the Saturday Night's main events, and that was one that uh, that I enjoyed a lot. It was, it's, a lot it's a very kooky episode, yes. this Halloween one. You got everybody's, they're like dunking for apples, they're doing fun stuff. Um, it is definitely, I will say, w- without question, the most attracted I've ever been to Elizabeth in that, Jane. She was she was looking good, and that's that's... I do like some Miss Elizabeth too, but that was where I was like, "Wow, sure, geez. yeah." Um, that was that was they good. Definitely, that was, they definitely kind of sexed her up for uh, that. Yes, one, they so. did because they don't get that. Usually, she's in the and then you're like, "Holy crap!" Like yeah. you know, because you just never saw her like yeah. that. I mean, that was it was very you know. You obviously knew she was you know just beautiful beyond belief, but like this was like, "Holy crap!" Like hi, Elizabeth. That was, but yeah, it's just an insane. It, it's it. I would say go watch it if, if you haven't. Already. There you go. The Saturday main event, don't go. I, I You think it's going to be a good idea to go through all the Saturday night's main events. It's it's not. They're pretty terrible, but uh, that one is definitely worthy. So, Yes. And I think you get a Mr. Fuji wrestling match in that one, too, if I Well, if I you can't beat that. Match. Yeah. So, um, and in before the uh, game, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles played an exhibition basketball game against uh, against the Baltimore Colts. They uh, they had a uh, uh, they would this was kind of one of those things that they would try to do in the early days of the NBA, where they would have you know exhibition games between you, you know playing basketball with, with football teams and with local sports. It was just kind of like a way of like uh, you know boosting the gate. Obviously, the the Globetrotters famously would be would be used for um, you know for doubleheaders for NBA games. This was just kind of one um, one of those things that's sort of a relic of uh, this time in pro basketball. Um, as we mentioned, uh, Wilt set the record for most free throws made and uh, with 28 and attempted with uh, 32. We, we, we talked about the percentage um, ahead of time. He uh, The most free throws made now is tied with uh, Adrian Dantley and... Um, and attempted uh, Dwight Howard now is uh, <laughs> has destroyed that record. As a matter of fact, 
Uh, yeah, he twice has beaten that record, and, and unfortunately, the uh, the whole 32 three throw attempts, uh, it was a record for a while, and it stood for a while, but it doesn't really mean much these days, because you'll see here, uh, as mentioned, Howard has uh, 39 twice, uh, 2013 and 2012. Uh, Andre Drummond earlier this year had 36, and DeAndre Jordan earlier this year had 36. Um, no, uh, kind of a fun fact about all those, they were all in victories. Every single time, those guys shot, uh, uh, you know, record-breaking free throw attempts, their team won, which is, uh, it, it's 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 not it's not shocking, but it's 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 interesting. I thought that they all did that, and um, you know, you mentioned Adrian Dantley as well. And I thought that was one uh, fact that I wanted to bring up real quick. As far as free throws made, uh, only in only Adrian Dantley, as you mentioned, has made more in a game when he made twenty eight yeah. in uh, nineteen eighty four. Uh, and then shockingly enough, Adrian Dantley, you know, when we you know, of course, did a whole episode about him, we sort of talked a little bit about this, but he has three of the top five free throw made games um, since nineteen sixty four. I mean, three still to this day. I mean, nobody has even got. I mean, it, it's it's pretty shocking at how good that guy. was was at a getting the line and making his free throws i mean it's a lot of these other guys we look at are you know a lot of them are big men not i mean adrian danley was uh, was a slasher and he, he was able to do that which is a pretty um pretty fun little fact there uh also uh, moving on another oh, fact about this sorry. game oh sorry i i should mention actually danley and what have the record it, it, they have the record tied is 28 they, they each have 28 uh danley did not actually break the record but oh i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah yeah tied so, uh, yeah. So moving on, you know, speaking of free throws a little bit more, uh, this game uh, had 98 combined free throws, which is uh, funny enough. We'll talk a little bit about how the game sort of structure and how that uh, how that got there as well. Um, of course, the Warriors, you know, Will Chamberlain's team, of course, uh, 52 free throw attempts in this game. Um, unfortunately, it's not you, you would sort of think, oh, wow, it's a lot. It's really not that historically um, significant because there's 629 instances of a team having uh, 52 plus free throws in a game uh, and the highest ever. Uh, I believe it's one we've talked about before on the show. Uh, 80 from Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns against the Utah Jazz. The Phoenix Suns had 80 free throw attempts in that game uh, in 1990, which I'm sure was just a barn burner to be at. So that, uh, oof, yeah, that's that's not bad. But yeah, 52 free throws, not 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 that significant at all. No. They uh, they also set a record for most combined points in a game with 316. The Warriors shot six, 63 out of 115 for 548 uh, shooting percentage. The Knicks shot 57 out of 118. The, the Knicks having actually three more shots from the field than the uh, Warriors did. Now, of course, all the free throws from Wilt um, obviously, you know gave gave the Warriors a better shooting, um, you know, more chances. But I thought it was interesting that the Knicks actually took more shots um, in this game. The, the Knicks were uh, 483 from the field. Both those percentage is very very good for the time actually fine for now so Shockingly good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um part of it is that there was not a whole lot of defense being played in this game um <laughs> oh uh, uh, unwillingly from the knicks point of view and and willingly from the warriors point of view uh, not really playing stout defense but um and the record for points now has been blown away since then um is 370 the uh, pistons and nuggets going to triple overtime in 1983 yeah, and that game, uh, 186 to 184 as well, which is just yes. <laughs> unbelievable. Awesome uh, uh, box score. But uh, yeah, so as far as 169 points, um, you know, how, where does that top out? What You know, how significant is that? Uh, only six ever, if we count the Warriors, ha- have had 169 plus uh, points in a game. Of course, Detroit, as mentioned before, they top out at uh, 186. Second is, of course, Denver at 184. Uh, but then Boston, uh, they had uh, 173 in 1959, actually. So not too far off from this. Uh, Phoenix went 
hunt for 173 as well. They did that in 1990. And the Spurs got 171 in 1982. So that's uh, six other instances of teams getting 169 plus points in a game. But that's still relatively significant with only six all time. But uh, but not bad. Yes. Yes. So so as you mentioned, this did not actually break the record for teams most yeah. points in a game, though. It, it came close. Um, yeah. With the Celtics. Yeah. With right. 173. And yeah. Uh, and, and the Warriors uh, that year, you know, 169, you would assume that that, you know, is the highest of the year of that yearly output of any team. And, and it was, but it wasn't as much as you'd probably think. Uh, the Cincinnati Royals, they had 153 uh, in February. Also, Boston had 153 and a huge win over the Warriors in March. Uh, so that was kind of surprising, especially that sort of Boston team that was still, you know, they were they were they were quick. But uh, compared with some of these other teams, I mean, them dropping 153 was, was pretty, uh, pretty out there, especially yeah. against this Warriors team. So, yeah, it's it, it, it was the highest of that year. Uh, but it wasn't as significant as you think. And um, I had also why I kind of brought up this fact as well is how common was 100 plus points per game in 1962. And most people, if you're, if you're familiar with basketball history, if you know anything, crazy pace, you know, crazy, a lot of sky, uh, high scoring total. So instead of looking at how common 100 plus points were that year, I decided, you know, it'd probably be easier to look at games scored with 100 less or teams that got 100 uh, or less points. And there was only 34 instances of teams that year scoring less than 100 in a game, which is just <laughs> insane when you think about uh, just the scoring outputs that were going on in the league at that time. So, yeah, only 34 times uh, did a team fail to score uh, 100 points there were or more. Probably if there were uh, back then, if there had been the, uh, you know, the, the promotions where you score more than 100 points and you get eat a taco <laughs> or something, you know, that would uh, uh, a lot of olive burgers going out the uh, door at local diners, and, unfortunately. Indeed. Yes. So, um, this game also set the record, uh, Wilt set the record for most points in a quarter, which actually tied a record he had set two days before with 28 points, also against the Knicks. So we'll talk a little bit more about that um, later on. Uh, this record has since been broken uh, multiple times, most recently by uh, Clay Thompson, who uh, scored uh, 33 points in a, a game in the uh, early in the 2016 season. So, yeah. Um, uh, pretty good. Uh, of course, the th- I was this year, wasn't it? I always forget. Yes. I, felt like, I kind of feel like that was last year. It's so like so long yes. ago. So, uh, uh, or maybe uh, or maybe it was late last year. Was it- I don't remember. Yeah, I, 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 it could be. Uh, I, I, either honestly, way, it was recently. So yes, um, yes. Okay, uh, move on. Uh, Wiltz, uh, by himself, he accounted for 59.1% of the Warriors' total points that game, uh, which is significant. We'll get there here in a little bit. Yes, uh, in addition to Wiltz's 100 points, he also had 25 rebounds and two assists during the game. So he wasn't completely selfish. Assists. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he passed it twice. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> including and we'll get to like instances again it's it's funny when you hear like the accounts of the game where like guys had like wide open layups and like oops there you go wilt and he's like ah come on like i'm sure he was fine with it but it was just like it, it's kind of funny yeah I, I think even if he tried to get those assists uh later in the game nobody would probably have accepted them at all so uh because they passed up wide open layups to give him uh shots so always a fun time but uh yeah so um Speaking of, I mean, this is a good transition here. Wilt and the Warriors, they get a lot of crap for sort of forcing the high point total. They sort of sensed that it was coming and they were, you know, giving up open layups, giving up open shots, just forcing the ball to Wilt, forcing, forcing, forcing. Uh, but surprisingly enough, if you look at the total percentage, which I mentioned, 59.1% of uh, the Warriors scoring came from Wilt. How it stacked up to other high single game uh, totals, the ones that we mentioned a little bit earlier, Kobe, uh, David Thompson, David Robinson and Michael Jordan. Uh, surprisingly enough, Wilt, uh, it's not that high. Uh, Kobe Bryant had 66% of his team's points in the 81 point, uh, uh game against the Raptors. Uh, David Thompson, 53. So he was a little bit below Wilt, uh, David Robinson in the game where they, the Spurs were obviously for- <laughs> forcing, uh, Robinson as well. He had 63%. So he was way above, 
uh, Wilt. And then Michael Jordan, uh, he actually tied Wilt uh, at 59% uh, in his high-scoring game. So really, when you look at that Wilt game and you look at, yeah, 51.9 or 59.1%, that's a lot. But you look at some guys, like a Kobe at 66. It's just <laughs> insane for that 81-point game. So, uh, um very interesting, and then uh, or no, sorry, that was uh, that was not against the Raptors. That was his most recent one. I, I'm sorry, I, oh, I mixed yes. that up. That was that was. Um, oh no, 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 never mind. It was it was not. So sorry, I, I'm all mixed up. I got my Kobe high output games uh, a little bit mixed up. And uh, anyway, out of those four games, though, only uh, only the Lakers uh, won. Only the lowly 2016 Lakers won that. Oh, game, the so. uh, the the Spurs didn't win that game against the uh, Clippers. Did they? I thought they did, but why is that not? I, I don't know why I would have wrote that down. Let me see. I think, yeah, they almost had to have won that game, right? Um, I, uh, Maybe they didn't. Let me let me see. I don't know why I would have wrote that down. There you let me go. Check it out here real quick. Let's look at the box score here. Uh, oh, they did. Okay, so don't okay. listen to me. I'm there just, you go. I don't All right. <laughs> that's fine. Passing off misinformation here, Rich. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. What, why did I have? Why did I write that uh, That's down? all right. Well, you we'll disregarded that one. So uh, Yeah, that's yeah. 30. Only we have, well, God, we only have 99 facts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up with something. I'll come up with something at the end right. to make up for right. that horrible fact. But anyway, uh, field goals made. Um, who has come close since 1963 of uh, having that many field goals made in a game? Um, there's been a few. Rick Barry, he had 30 in 1974. Uh, Wilts, again, had 30 in 1967. Wilts had 29 in 1969. So Getting a trend here a little bit. Uh, but Kobe Bryant, uh, 28 in 2006. That was his 81-pointer. And then uh, David Thompson, again, 28 in 1978 for his 73-pointer. Uh, and then Wilt, again, just for good measure, he had 28 in 1966 as well. Uh, and then uh, Chamberlain shot attempts by quarter. Uh, he had 14 in the first quarter, uh, 12 in the second, 16 in the third, and then 21 in the fourth as he sort of ramped it up a little bit to uh, to get to that 100. Yeah. Um, so the game was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, as we mentioned, 85 miles from Philadelphia. It was common at the time for teams to play home games in other uh, nearby cities for extra money. This, in fact, was the Warriors' third home game of the uh, season in um, in, Her- in Hershey. Uh, so it was basically just sort of an economic thing where um, you know the teams would uh, often have basically would play other extra markets to kind of like spread the uh, um, popularity of the game and create extra markets and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, the number one hit song that year or that day, actually, no, on March second, nineteen sixty-two, uh, in the United States was "Duke of Earl" by Gene Chandler. There you go. We won't, we won't sing Duke of Earl. I mean, it, it, no, no, it's I'm tempting, have, I'll have it lead off this podcast. I'll have it, like, people won't really know why it started, but now at okay. this point, if you listen this far, you'll What's be that? like, ah, I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah. So there are people that are yeah. astute listeners. You have been rewarded. Yeah. So thank you. You, you put living in the prayer, living, <laughs> living on a prayer at the end, right? I would. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I hope so. It always is at the end. You don't know. Oh, yeah, don't. Apparently, maybe I skip at, to the end. Maybe I uh, stop that part before Jeez. that. Like, Ooh, there you go. God, oh, I spent all this time putting this high level production. <laughs> That's very sad. Um, so, uh, and um, uh, during the season, Wilt uh, only missed eight minutes and 33 seconds uh, due to a disqualification in a game from technical fouls. Otherwise, he played every single minute of every single game, including this one. Um, just uh, had a philosophy of not wanting to um, come out of the game and just uh, which uh, was sort of both his idea and his coach Frank McGuire's idea. We'll get a little bit <laughs> more into what that Frank McGuire wanted him to do um, in a little bit. 
Absolutely. So a uh, little bit of the, the flow of this game, just to get an idea of the Warriors, they started out super fast with a 19-3 run, uh, and Chamberlain scored you know, 13 of those points really early on. Uh, by the end of the third, uh, at the end of the first, rather, uh, he had 23 points, and Philadelphia led the Knicks 42-26. Uh, to 26. They had a pretty commanding lead. Uh, by halftime, the Warriors had led 79-68, to 68, and Wilt had 41 at that point. So uh, obviously, you know, not not too wild for Wilt, but, uh, but, but 41. I mean, this yeah, was, 41's not bad. This is kind of, unfortunately, like this year, like 41 went the half. It's like, oh, all right, you know, yeah. that's a decent little game uh, in 1962. Uh, the third quarter is where he really exploded. He had 28 points in that quarter, and he brought his total to 69, and the Warriors were up uh, 125 to 106. So that was starting to get now. We're in the territory. We're like, okay, all right. Like, you know, that's, you know, that that was, you know, his game total at 69 would have been good, but this is him at the third doing that. So, of course, you know, then he ramped it up in the, uh, in the fourth, which we'll get to uh, here in a little bit as well. But, yes. yep. So, um, attending the game were um, two Italian brothers, Irmo and Evo Iani. And um, so Evo had, this was his very first basketball game. And he had been to one baseball game in his life. And it turned out to be the 1956 World (laughs) Series game that was uh, Don Larson's uh, perfect game. And he really had no idea what was going on in the game. Like, didn't really understand this. He thought it was boring. Didn't really understand the significance, of course, of what had happened. And was very surprised when he saw Yogi Berra jump into uh, Don Larson's arm. So um, that's a remarkable uh, bit of I can see a no-hitter being a terrible introduction for, like, a new baseball fan. Because it's like nothing's happening. Right. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect game is even worse. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. um, yes. So he he thought baseball was boring. Never went to another Yankees game. So he decided to give basketball a try. So hopefully he liked it. I um, <laughs> do we know? Do we know what happened? I, I I don't know if he ever went to another basketball game. So I mean, um, I don't know if you're going to get um, maybe not better, but you're not going to get more. Um, you know, you're not going to see anything crazier than this. I would imagine in a basketball game. So. Um, so the uh, the coach of the Warriors we mentioned was Frank McGuire. He was a uh, this was his first season. He'd come from the University of uh, I, have, I have an extra fact to make up for. Oh, but I'll do it after. Okay, good. Uh, from University of North Carolina, he publicly vowed to get uh, Wilt the ball uh, two thirds of the time, and even privately talked to Wilt before the season about averaging fifty, which Wilt thought was absurd. And in fact, Wilt did actually average um, fifty. Uh, uh, 50 during the season famously so um interesting that his philosophy um sort of contrasted with other coaches um you know even coaches he had successes with like alex hannum where he very much wanted the the team to you know basically he thought hey you know okay we'll shoot all these points and scores all these points but he's but he's he has a way better you know percentage than anybody else so that you know he should be shooting more than anybody else and he kind of got everyone else to sort of buy you know there were you know there there were a few, some grumbling about the fact that they were doing this but he just thought that you know hey this is our chance to win by feeding it through Wilt and you know will everything and you get it done and you know they were a pretty successful team they um you know they they ended up uh you know falling to the uh the Celtics in seven games but they came very close to um to beating them and to going to the final Finals. It was, you know, as we've mentioned before in the Wilt and uh, Russell um, rivalry, a uh, very narrow margin between uh, failure and success often in, uh, in in Wilt's games against yeah. uh, against the Celtics. All right. My uh, my additional fun fact, I did a Google search for our good friend uh, Evo here. Yeah, uh, he died March 11, 2012. He was 97. Wow. 
And I'm, I'm positive this is the one. It says of Hershey, and it does mention that he went to the uh, Wilt Chamberlain and the uh, the perfect game here. Uh, so a little fun facts about Mr. Ioni. He was a World War II Army veteran. He was a member of the St. Joan of Arc Catholic Church in Hershey. He was also a member of the Hershey Italian Lodge, uh, the Knights of Columbus Council 6693, uh, and the former Hershey Park Golf Club. And it says here he was an avid golfer and had the distinction of playing golf with Sam Snead. Ooh, Sam Snead. So there you go. This guy is just rushes with greatness. Yeah. Evil I own me. So yeah, he, uh, 97 years old, man. Yeah. That's, that's quite the life Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to send a sympathy card now. I don't know. If that's <laughs> all right. Right. Well, I, I don't, someone will get it. Right? Yeah. So, all right. There you go. Tell them we're talking about him or let the family know, you know? Hey, yes, indeed. So we shout out your, uh, your, what does he got? He's got some grand. Okay, he's got grand. Yeah, he's got great great grandchildren. He's he's got he's got plenty good. here. So okay, we're good. You're, all right. Well, one of them might listen to the show. So. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry, we're making light. Or he just told them that basketball's stupid. Yes. Like, they just pass it to one guy all the time. Yeah, it's stupid. It's There's guy. no team basketball. Yeah. There's no team. There you go. It's just nothing. Or <laughs> <sighs> Evo. All right. Uh, of course, as mentioned a little bit uh, ago. Um, as far as Wilt, uh, during the season, he missed only eight minutes, and he played the entire game in 79 of 80 contests, and uh, as you mentioned, the one game again, so I, I thought that was just an interesting distinction, again, that you sort of mentioned it, but yeah, like, to, to realize in 80 games, he played, you know, every single minute in 79 of those 80, yes. uh, it's just it's incredible. And played more than 48 minutes a game because of, you know, overtime games, so right. average, <laughs> more, just, average more than that for a season. Unbelievable, so. yes. yes. It's ridiculous. Um, so now uh, a little bit of an idea of sort of what was going on uh, with the Warriors that year. The record um, at this point was uh, 47 and 29. They ended up at 49 and 31. Uh, as you mentioned a little bit, they lost to Boston in seven games um, because, of course, they didn't because, of course, Wilt would lose in seven games uh, to Bill Russell. But uh, thankfully, they did defeat the Syracuse Nationals in the first uh, round of the semifinals uh, to get to Boston. But, yeah, unfortunately, they, they dropped in seven games because, you know, it's Wilt and it's Russell. And, you know, yes. he was wont to lose in seven games to, <laughs> to Russell a lot. So. So um, Al Adels, um, he was a guard. Um, he had 17 points on eight of eight shooting, five rebounds and six assists. Nice, nice night of work for him. Um, he ended up playing 12 years with the Warriors, then coached the team for 14 years. He was a player coach for some of that time. Um, and he's worked for the Warriors for more than 50 years. It is um, reportedly the longest uninterrupted association with one team in NBA history. So not too bad. Um Paul Arizon, he had uh, uh, one of the 50 greatest players of all time. He we've talked about, about Paul before. He We're going to have a little bit more about Paul in our next show, as a matter of fact. Um, but he had 16 points, five rebounds, and four assists. This was his final NBA season in 62. Uh, he had sort of uh, you know been forced to turn the reins over to Wilt as you know Wilt had come in and been this huge star, and Arizon was sort of supposed to accommodate him. Um, they weren't particularly close as players, but there's a great story um, that's told in, um, in Palmer book where um, in 1997 they had of course the all-star game ceremony for the top 50 players of all time which Arizon and Chamberlain both were on and uh, Arizon had brought his uh, 16 year old granddaughter Stephanie who had an inoperable brain tumor and Wilt had already exchanged letters and phone calls with her and befriended her and then he um, pushed her wheelchair through the room and helped her obtain autographs of all the stars even even Russell who of course had the policy of not um, signing autographs with I'm sure he was fine within this instance but uh, i thought that was a neat um story and then arizon was just um you, you know he was he was very touched by it and he said that you know how much uh, he said I, yeah I, I owe you so much for 
this. And then later he would say that that was you know where he finally felt like he and Wilt sort of felt like teammates. So I thought that was a neat um, a neat sentiment for the for the two men who you yeah, know, very absolutely. different, but but you know managed to have that uh, bond uh, between each other. Um, and then uh, Tom Eshery, who was a rookie this season, he had uh, 16 points, uh, five rebounds, and four assists. Uh, he was known as he, he had a very colorful, interesting life, which I, he's he might be worth a, uh, a at least a short show about in, in some sure. just because of his background. But anyway, uh, he published his first book of poems in 1970. Um, returned to school after playing and coaching, and he received a Master of Fine Arts degree from the University of Iowa, which is a prestigious uh, writing program in 1974. And since then has been a, a teacher and a um and, and is writing several books of poetry so interesting guy yeah absolutely and, uh, and speaking of him uh you know he only had four fouls in this game which is actually pretty low and we'll get to those totals here in a little bit but uh he ended up actually leading the nba that season in personal fouls so uh even though he he didn't do a whole lot in this game in terms of fouls i mean four still a lot but not you know we'll, we'll get to those a little bit but yeah he ended up leading the nba in personal fouls in his rookie year so not bad uh, moving on, uh, March 2nd, 1962, uh, we were lucky enough uh, with the power of the internet to find the Peanuts comic strip from that day. So, Jason, I'm going to read it for you. And uh, uh, it's it I, it must have some like political something that I don't really quite get at this point. But uh, anyway, it starts with uh, Charlie Brown says, hmm, maybe I've been wrong. And he's reading the newspaper. It says uh, it says here in the paper that it is all right to give your dog little snacks between meals. So he places a snack in Snoopy's bowl. Snoopy eats it. Then Snoopy smiles, puts his head in the bowl, and then says in a thought bubble, "You'd accomplish a lot once you get the sympathy of the press." Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that was a like. <laughs> I think it's just a general uh, thing in life. But my um, my uh, seven year old daughter Scarlett is a huge pan- fan of uh, peanuts. So we'll have to find that oh, strip nice. and uh, and show it to her because she's a. Uh, uh, she, she's a huge uh, Snoopy fan, so uh, so, talk her head off about Wilt's 100. I, you can give her all these facts. I, you can sit her down and say, "Here we go. Here you go. We're gonna we're gonna talk about all of these. What do you yes, know about Al Adels? She would enjoy that. As well, so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're gonna talk about the longest tenured yes. in basketball history. Right. The longest tenured employee in basketball history. Right. Uh, next week, as you always do, as you yes. as you rock her at night, as, as I'm sure how she. Yeah, I rock a seven-year-old that night, Rick. Yeah, yeah. I, I, exactly. I'm not right. really. Uh, uh, oh God, I know nothing of children. <laughs> no, I like. I don't know when they start walking. Like, if like, I assume they'd start talking at like six. Like, I don't know anything about kids. So, you're you're a better man than me, Jason. All right. I, uh, well, you know, I'll just have dogs forever. I'll just get like seven dogs at once and do that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, well, that's that's a life that you want to lead, Rick. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Guy Rogers, a great playmaker for the Warriors. He had uh, eleven points, twenty assists, and seven rebounds. In this game pretty good obviously setting up well for a lot of those assists uh we both found a similar uh, stat uh, but just found it in a different way uh at uh at zero point uh, at point zero five six he has the lowest um win shares per 48 score of any pro player who has recorded st- stats in the uh, naismith hall of fame actually joe folks technically has a, a lower one but it's only for a very small portion of his career so i'm not going to count him yeah, uh, I, was, I was actually surprised that we uh, we came to that <laughs> same conclusion. Uh, without yeah, what I looked at, I looked at total uh, career win shares, and he had thirty three point three, which I thought was very low. Uh, of course, if you do you know search for Hall of Famers, you're going to get a lot of guys that are in there from colleges, uh, you know, big college careers, big coaching careers. So it doesn't quite work if you just kind of look at, at at all win shares and just sort it by you know who had the lowest. So I decided to look at twenty thousand minutes because uh, there's eighty six you know uh, basketball Hall of Famers that have twenty thousand plus minutes, which means you know you've obviously played a lot in the league. And if you do that, uh, Guy Rogers 
Rodgers has the lowest among all those Hall of Famers. So among those 86, uh, he has the lowest. So yeah, he's uh, uh, an interesting Hall of Famer. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So well, it doesn't quite jump out at the page, right. I, I think it was just the you know the fact that he was basically passing and not shooting much and not shooting effectively for uh, right. for, for the most part. I mean, not really weighing on his merits as a Hall of Famer because obviously no, he's no, very no. different then. But uh, but yes, the uh, somebody has to be the lowest. I guess it has to be a uh, guy Rogers. So. Yeah. So be it. Um, okay, March 2nd, 1962, the Time Magazine. It featured uh, astronaut John Glenn with the headline, The Space Race is Go. Yes, and this would have been a couple weeks after uh, John Glenn had uh, become the first American to um, to orbit the Earth. So uh, obviously a, an important... Uh, and if you see the cover, it's John Glenn's face on the side of <laughs> like space with uh, you know, the Earth bent yes, next to him. Yes, so, you know, Ohio's he, own John Glenn. We're very proud of uh, Mr. Glenn. So the senator as a... Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Long, long. Yeah, lots, lots of things. Tried to run for, um, did you try to run for president or was it just, uh, I, I don't Yeah, he ran for he president ever. in 84, I think. So is that okay? Yeah, I thought I was somewhere yeah, around there. Okay. So, uh, sure. yeah, uh, didn't get it obviously, but, um, no, <laughs> but you know, gotta, gotta try. Um, yeah. yeah so, so, uh, so you got some fun facts about, oh, yes, York, York, Larissi, yeah. old York. Bruno Larisi, aka the Cobra, oh, which is an awesome. Name. Yeah, like I feel like that's a name that they would call like somebody now, but like to call that guy back then the Cobra, yeah. like that's a sweet. You know, that's a lot of power there. There the you go. Are, are it's it's fierce. sort of like yeah. it's Proto Mamba actually. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like it's a modern like right. the Cobra. That's yeah. a sweet. I mean, they had Cobras uh, back then too. It wasn't that long ago. No, I know, but like it's a, people now they've really embraced. I don't know. Maybe I just yeah. it seems like a very fierce name back then. It's all because they're all like happy and like you know lefty and jumping. We'll talk about guys sure. like that's a very fierce name. A lot for of whitey, yeah, so, yeah, whitey. You know, yeah. you know the, the, but frosty. Freaking our yes. last episode, frosty. frosty the guy's name, like, yeah. <laughs> right, but this guy's the Cobra. It's yeah. awesome. But anyway, he dropped uh, nine points off Philadelphia in fourteen minutes. Uh, the Cobra only played eight games of the drafted team, the Chicago Packers, before being waived and picked up by Philly. Uh, he wasn't great, but he had a few games scoring in double digits. was a decent part of that team. Um, unfortunately, this uh, would be the fourth to last game for uh, old York Bruno Larisi, uh, the Cobra, because yes. he would be only only around for one more year. Yes. Uh, so, this is yeah, Larisi, he only played one season in the NBA and then play, actually played in the rest of the 60s in various minor leagues. Um, he also spent one season as coach of the Nets in the ABA. I had nicknamed him one season Larisi, but, uh, but the Cobra, <laughs> you know, that's that, that might be. Oh, whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, also uh, playing in the game, Ted Luckinbill, who didn't do a whole lot because he only played three minutes, but he recorded two fouls in the game and uh, one rebound. Uh, unfortunately, Luckinbill played in only 87 games uh, in his career before he was diagnosed with testicular cancer at age 23. He did, however, recover from that, and he lived until um, age 72. He, he, he died in uh, 2012, so only a few years ago. Um, but he does have this uh, performance to his name, and basically he went in the game toward the end because the um, the to uh, get fresh guys in there to be able to foul so that um, we would have more chances to uh, <laughs> right. score. So uh, Joe Rucklick, also uh, another another member of the uh, get in there late and foul club. He had two rebounds and two fouls in eight minutes. More about his important role in this uh, game um, as we speak. He did not play much um, during he, he was he was able to back up for a few seasons. He did not play much, of course, because Will played 48 minutes a game. So you're not going to get the backup center <laughs> in that not. much, um, you know, <laughs> under those circumstances. Uh, also playing in the game was Ed Conlon, who uh, he had four rebounds, but was oh for oh of. 0 for 4 from the floor, so uh, not the best for him. He played in 14 minutes in the game. So, but he was trying. He was trying. Hey, you know, good old, good old try, Ed Conlon. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> steady Eddie Conway. Yeah, well, Steady no, Eddie. That's nice. Name. That that's. I have no idea. That's probably yeah. not his name. Well, right? I, I, it probably actually, no, it probably actually is his it name. It probably let's, is. Let's yeah, that's that's that feels like reference a, has a name. A uh, yeah. No, he didn't get a nickname. We're, Sorry. He is now Steady Eddie Conlon. Yeah, Steady Eddie Conlon. All right. All right. Uh, New York Knicks. A little snaps, uh, snapshot of where they were. Um, they were twenty-seven and forty-five. Uh, when this game happened, uh, going into the game, uh, they ended up that year at 29 and 51. It was a terrible year for a team that was going through a real rough patch. Uh, they would finally make the playoffs again in 1967, so it was quite a while there. Uh, but then they win their first NBA title in 1970. They had a pretty good run, of course, in the 70s uh, for that franchise, who, who really just didn't do a whole lot for, for a long time. And uh, thankfully, they've uh, shook that, and now they've had their unprecedented run of greatness uh, over the last decade. So go New York Knicks. Uh, the Knicks scored 147 in this loss um historically it's not that significant there's 25 instances if we count uh, the knicks of teams scoring 147 plus and still losing uh, of course denver uh, has the record uh, you know of course with, with that you know, huge game against Detroit. Uh, the next closest in a losing effort is 166, and that was uh, Milwaukee. Uh, they did it in 1982. So uh, there's some instances of it, but uh, but not 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 a lot. You know, only 25. So, uh, so talking about the Knicks players now, we have um, Daryl Imhoff, who he's often blamed for being the main guy who gave up 100 to Wilt, but though it's not really necessarily fair because he only played 20 minutes in the game. He fouled out. Um, so I guess him not being in there when he was the only center in the game um, was partially to blame as well. But um, it was a group effort, uh, and the sheriff blamed it go wrong. And he, and he was good humored about the fact that uh, you know he, he had done it. I mean, he sort of uh, just you know kind of accepted it and was a, a a good natured guy for the you know for the most part about that. Uh, in the game, he had seven points and uh, six rebounds. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Uh, speaking of him, uh, you know, as far as his career, uh, it, it he didn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he had 19.5 minutes per game, uh, scored 5.9 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game. Um, and, you know, despite his rep as kind of a little used guy or, or a guy that wasn't, you know, great or, or used all that well, uh, he had some really good, uh, big games throughout the season. He had 22 points in January once. He had 18 points in February uh, and 15 points twice in November. So he wasn't just a complete stiff. He was, uh, you know, he had his games here and there that he was good. But, of course, this was not uh, one of his crowning uh, moments or achievements in his life. Yes. But, hey, yes. team effort, as you said. Yeah. We'll talk about a few guys here who also didn't do a very good job of guarding Wilt either, guys. All right? Yes. Like, so um, so a couple bonus facts because I'm just going to throw them in here. Um, uh, he was an all-star for the Lakers in 67, um, and he actually was involved in the uh, the 76ers to uh, Lakers, well, Timberland trade, going back to the 76ers in, uh, oh, there in that go. trade. So, uh, so there you go. So uh, another another one of the main guys who was defending um, well, it was Cleveland Buckner, who um, already, um, he was the guy who gave up 28 <laughs> points to Will in one quarter uh, two days before, which was uh, which was uh, then the, uh, the NBA record that was uh, set and then tied later on by Wilt in this game. Uh, so w- what about Cleveland? Yeah, um, this was definitely his best game. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more about his output uh, here in a little bit, but I mean, he, he played a lot. He scored a lot. Um, otherwise, you know, he scored 22 points in January, uh, 18 a few times, but 33, which he had in this game, uh, which is far and away his career high. But interestingly enough, he only had one free throw uh, in all that 33 points, which I looked up and that's that's also not very significant, but we'll maybe get to that here. That's um, <laughs> it's a fact a little bit. I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot. That's not that many free throws. And it's like, oh, wait, that happens a lot. But hey, it happens. But uh, yeah, as far as the rest of his career, uh, it didn't go very good. He had uh, he only got a, uh, 723 career minutes. Uh, he scored six points 
6.4 points per game in 1962. Uh, but by the next season, he was a complete non-factor, and he played in only 27 minutes in six games, and then he was out of the league. So yeah. not a great career for old Cleveland Buckner. Uh, and speaking of, uh, how many players have scored 30-plus with one free throw or less? Uh, more than you'd probably think. It was 946, so far more than I had thought. Uh, the highest uh, ever was Steph Curry, who had 51 points in, of course, February 2016, and he had only one free throw and one free throw attempt. So um, not, not, not that significant there. Um, and then I actually uh, you know, sort of going a little bit about, uh, you know, expanding on that is, you know, other guys who have scored a ton without a single free throw, guys that never took a free throw or never, you know, you know never made, never took a free throw, nothing. Uh, Keem and Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar, actually, they had uh, 48 points, of course, in 1997 and 1973, respectively. Uh, and in both of those games, neither of them took a single free throw. So interesting. Yeah, that's that's fun. Um, good facts, Rich. Good, good deep research there. I uh, I appreciate that. Um, so the uh, the best player for the Knicks on this night and for the uh, for, for during this time was um, was Richie Guerin, who had thirty nine points, eight rebounds, and six assists. Normally it would be a great game. Um, he was the leading scorer uh, for the team that that night. Uh, that year he aver- or he averaged twenty nine point uh, five points per game. Um, which uh, sounds really, really good and is, is good, but uh, it was a uh, 24.8 points per 36 minutes, which, you know, uh, is more evidence of the <laughs> just insane pace of play uh, during the time. And um, he uh, he was the most fired up about what had happened uh, this night. Um, he was angry at his team, of course. He was a he was a hot tempered former Marine. Um, he was angry about what he felt like was the Warriors running up the score and not playing the game naturally. Although honestly, his team was kind of the first to foul others to prevent Wilt from scoring. So um, I, I kind of feel like the uh, the Knicks did more to escalate the situation than the um, than the Warriors did. I mean, the Warriors did you know pass up a few open shots to get Wilt some looks and you know did, did a few things, but it wasn't like they were. Um, uh, you know, extending the game unnaturally with the foul. And the, the, um, the Knicks sort of started that. And then the Warriors reciprocated once, um, you know, once that, uh, that was happening. Um, so, uh, we also have, um, the other star for the Knicks during this time was a Willie Niles who had 37, mm-hmm. uh, 31 points and seven rebounds. Uh, he was a four time, uh, NBA all-star and the first African-American player to be captain of a major pro sports teams, which I, which was an interesting uh, fact. Um, he would, uh, however, be traded to the Warriors the next season. And then he would end up with the Knicks or excuse me, the Celtics to win three NBA titles toward the end of his career. Um, and uh, one of my favorite things about uh, this um, is that after this is all over, um, Willie Niles and Wilt actually uh, drove uh, back to, to uh, New York together uh, after the game was done. So it's just funny the the, the whole um, you know everyone is um, you know, having this really competitive game, and you know, this uh, there's some, t- some tempers flare here, and there's some anger here, and you know. Um, you and I know better in, in, in people who listen, I'm sure know better that um, there were plenty of friendly relationships between players from, from other teams. It wasn't like, you know, the, the stereotype is that, you know, everybody hated each other now and now <laughs> players are friends. But in, you know, in this case, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't true, especially in the early days when there were a, you know, relatively small number of African Americans. I don't know, Jason, I've seen a lot of Facebook memes that say otherwise. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's some evidence here and there, but I mean, Facebook memes, I don't know. It's yes. So, so Will would, uh, he would spend years telling a story about how he hitched a ride home with, uh, with Nalls and several Knicks players. He said he kept falling asleep in the backseat only to, um, 
uh, only be waked up by to, only to be waked up. Um, the Knicks were saying, "Can you believe that SOB scored 100 points on us?" And uh, in Wilt's version, when the Knicks finally dropped him off at home, he said, "Gee, guys, I'm real sorry about those 100 points." And then Niles <laughs> later said, "It was just the two of them in the car, and what was driving? It was, after all, Wilt's car." So that's uh, Will enjoyed telling the tall tales here and there. So <laughs> forgettable talk, yes. but hey, that's that's all right. All right. Uh, speaking of another player in this game, jumping Johnny Green, another great name. Uh, here he was uh, an All Star in 1962, uh, but in this game, for some reason, only scored six points uh, despite averaging 15.9 that year. Uh, this is his fifth lowest output of the year but uh, he did have seven rebounds in here as well so old jumper johnny green and uh, you have some facts about old jumper as well yes uh yeah johnny green and he um he was another guy who was uh he he was already undersized as a forward but because of the um you know you know the depth issues that uh that that they were facing he um he's only six five and 200 but he was he played power forward most of his career um so he was really overmatched um dealing with uh wilt um he was actually a rookie at age 26 and was the first nba player to play into age um 39 um at least Play you know, relatively full time. There were a couple um, like Bob Cousy came back and played when he was, uh, uh, you know, at, uh, at advanced age, and um, uh, the, a couple other exceptions. But 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 he was as far as you know, um, still being a full time player. He was the the first to play that age, and in, and at age thirty seven, he led the NBA in field goal percentage and averaged sixteen points. Seven points and eight point seven rebounds, becoming an All Star for the uh, fourth time. So, yeah, I, I think Johnny Green and Willie Knowles are guys who uh, have almost been entirely forgotten uh, today, but they were actually fairly important players yeah. uh, during that time, and you know were multiple time All Stars and were um, you know you know guys who would have been you know pretty well known uh, during that. But that, that part of this, you know, as, as we've talked about throughout their WrestleMania shows, you know, um, Russell leading the way for a group of um, you know really talented African American players who, of course, would uh, change the uh, game and. And, you know, Green and Niles were, you know, um, lower profile, but still important parts of um, of that shift. Absolutely. And uh, Dave Budd, who um, had 13 points and 10 rebounds, he was the only other player in the game to have double digit rebounds other than Wilt. Um <laughs> Well, another guy, but another guy who uh, was trying to defend Wilt, not doing a very good job. Uh, his quote is, the only thing you could attempt to do was either front him, and in that case, they try to lob it into him, or beat him down the floor and set up where he wanted to go and force him out a couple of extra steps. But as he, he would describe, that was not a successful uh, um, movie either, uh, you know. Um, Will liked his spot, and there wasn't much you're going to do to um, get him out of his spot just because of how big and strong he was. And uh, Donnie Butcher, uh, the other uh, one of the other Knicks, uh, key Knicks or Knicks performers, uh, another guy who played off the bench, ten points, three rebounds, and four assists in eighteen minutes. Uh, he would later go, go on to coach the Pistons. Yes, uh, nineteen six, uh, you know, nineteen sixty two, March second, the Twilight Zone. It aired an episode called "To Serve Man." Uh, this was a pretty famous episode for uh, the Twilight Zone and anybody who's a fan of the Twilight Zone. Uh, a pretty famous one. There's, of course, the cookbook, which you've probably seen in any any. Has you seen an alien cookbook? Uh, it, you know, I think the Simpsons had a reference to it. A few other things have had references to it. It's all going to this, you know, this episode here, uh, which is a very significant one. 1997 TV Guide ranked it uh, the 11th. Uh, greatest episode in their 100 greatest episodes of all time list. And in uh, 2013, the ending, the ending of this episode was ranked as uh, TV Guide's greatest twist of all time. So, yes, very significant episode that um, unfortunately more people watching this than they were watching this game. Yes. Because well, well they yeah. Didn't have an option. Well, yes. Because <laughs> yes, only 4,000 people still were watching this game. <laughs> right. Although, yes. yeah. 
not a although many more would um would uh you know uh, claim to do so but only yeah, yeah it's like one of those things where yeah at the, when it's done like you know seventy five thousand people were there you know when you tally everybody oh yeah i was there i was there, I was there yes. you know, always a good thing with any significant events and especially in sports so the, the the final nick to play in the game al butler who had eight points on four of 13 shooting there was literally nothing else interesting to find out about <laughs> Al Butler. So I, I, I'm sorry, Al Butler fans. I, we're not going to give you your full um, uh, repertoire here. Uh, Eddie Donovan was the Knicks coach. He did not have a huge amount of coaching success, but he would later uh, move up to become general manager, which is a weird thing that happened a lot in the uh, 60s uh, where like coaches would not do well as coaches, but then they would be moved up to general manager. So it's like general manager was not. Yeah, I, I think general manager is generally yeah. like the 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 better title. You know, it's generally from promotion. Um but th- those days, it was not quite the same thing. But he managed to acquire Willis Reed, Clyde Frazier, Bill Bradley, and traded for David Busher to um, build the, the Knicks dynasty, you know, mini dynasty. Um, so, you know, they did a pretty good job there. All right. I got a uh, fun fact about Al Butler. Oh, okay. Al Butler. All right. Hit me. His first name is Albert. Oh, but not Albert. L. Albert. E-L-B-E-R-T. But he made it Al. Ah, so there you go. Uh, you, you can call him Al. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah, uh, and he died two days after, uh, three days after his birthday. Oh, that's uh, uh, of course not. You know, his actual right. Birthday, yes, you know, uh, that, no, yeah. Yeah. that would be impossible because that would be yes. that would be uh, <laughs> some time travel being involved there. So, <laughs> right. so that's Albert J. Butler. So there you go. Yes. Um. So. Um, uh, oh, okay. So uh, normally the uh, the the Knicks had uh, Phil Jordan as their uh, center. Um, he most likely was hungover from uh, having a, uh, of course, having a, a night of um, too much to drink. Um, Although the official illness was um, was reported to be the flu, and uh, some some uh, I know Willie Nelson has argued that no, he wasn't hungover. How dare you say that he was um, hungover? But um, we we think that most likely he probably was hungover. E- either way, I, in fact, there's a there's an anecdote from um, Pomerantz's book um, from behind the closed door in the hotel room. Butcher heard Jordan groaning and vomiting. Uh, he asked Butcher to get Pepto Bismol to help uh, soothe his stomach. Butcher stopped at a nearby pharmacy to get it. As the Knicks prepared to leave for Hershey, Jordan said to Butcher from behind the bathroom door, Butch, tell him I can't go. I've got to stay here. So, And, and he missed the game. Um, he had actually played well, fairly well um, earlier on in the season. He had had um, uh, just one point less than Wilt in the game. It kind of you know matched him fairly evenly. So he certainly would likely have made uh, a, a difference here. And um, but Jordan was, I think, was kind of a guy who um, was a little bit flaky. He had some talent, but you know couldn't really put it together. Yeah, um, you know, looking at the rest of his career, you know, he was a decent role player on the Pistons uh, and the Royals, the Cincinnati Royals, before coming to the Knicks. Uh, but after the Knicks, he only lasted one year. Uh, he played with the 63 St. Louis Hawks. Uh, and they actually took the Lakers to seven games in the conference finals. He was not a part of that. That was very significant. But uh, yeah, uh, very interesting uh, little fun facts about him as well. Um, yeah, he. Uh, yeah, that's 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 really. He, it. Well, <laughs> well he, it, so. unfortunately, the the, yeah, the the most interesting fact about him. Well, there are a couple. He was he was Native American. He was one of the very few um, yeah. uh, Native American players in um, NBA history. And the the, the the sad fact about him, unfortunately, is that he uh, he died in a um, in a rafting accident a few, a few years uh, later in 1965 after he retired. So, um, so he he, he died uh, he, he died young, but um, he, sort of an interesting uh, life uh, and interesting career. But um, but as far as being a not much interested as far as it being um, his playing career. 
All right, so now the fun facts about fouls. Ooh. Lots and lots of fun stuff about fouls. Uh, despite the crazy amount of fouling from both teams, only, uh, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, only Daryl Lamoff uh, fouled out. So he was the only one actually uh, that, that was out of the game. Uh, the Knicks had four guys with five fouls. It was Garen, Niles, Butcher, and Green. Uh, the Warriors had two guys with five, Guy Rogers and York Larice, and two with four, uh, Al Adels, and then uh, Tom uh, Machinery yeah. as well. So, um, yeah, they crazy amounts of fouling, but yeah, you would assume a lot more guys would have fouled out, but it was more or less just a bunch of guys coming in there and getting like four or five files and then getting out. So it was, it was yeah, surprising. Yes. So um, after Wilt uh, passed 80 points in the uh, fourth quarter, which was uh, w- which uh, it had surpassed the uh, 78, his previous uh, and, and the all time record, uh, Dave Zinkoff, who was the Warriors colorful PA man known as the Zink, started giving a running tally every time he, um, y- y- you know, he, he would uh, get more points. And, and that really because Will himself didn't know exactly how many points that he had had. And, and, you know, the crowd didn't, they obviously knew that he had scored a lot, but it wasn't really, um, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't, um, it was harder to, to, to know unless you were of course keeping the stats just because you know, you didn't have the same displays and you didn't have the same sort of, you know, things reminding you. So it was just, you know, but basically that sort of added to the atmosphere. Everyone got really excited once he broke the record. And once it, you know, became clear that he had a chance to, um, you know, to get up to, 90 and, and to 100 uh yeah um and then in the fourth quarter oh go ahead yeah sorry sorry yeah once you get this yeah in the fourth quarter the knicks uh, began fouling other players to keep the, the ball away from chamberlain they also became deliberate in offense to reduce the number of possessions for uh, philadelphia the warriors countered by committing fouls of their own to get the ball back so so that of course the ironic thing is that the uh, knicks are playing a strategy that normally would um be for a team that was, um, you know, uh, trying to milk the clock that was leading the game, whereas the Warriors were uh, playing in a way that would normally you were trying to catch up and um, and, and win the game. So they were both were taking the opposite. If you were watching this game and didn't understand the significance of Chamberlain, you would be very confused. So. Yeah, so a little bit of uh, the kind of the final stretch and, and how the game sort of worked out. So it was the uh, 112 mark of the game. Chamberlain had a, a big slam dunk uh, from a, a lob from York Larice. Uh, the Warriors were able to get one more possession, of course, you know, because the Knicks were, were trying to keep the ball out of his hand. So they have one more possession, uh, one more chance at history for Chamberlain. Uh, Chamberlain missed two shots uh, after passes from Joe Rucklick, uh, but the misses were, again, both rebound uh, by teammates. Uh, the Luckinbill, uh, Ted Luckinbill, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, he had very <laughs> significant rebounds in this game. Uh, Luckinbill then passed his second rebound on the possession to Rucklick. Rucklick had a shot in, uh, an easy layup, so he was obviously wide open. I'm sure they were saying, hey, please, you can score all you want, Rucklick. Uh, have all at it. But uh, he gave uh, the ball to Chamberlain. Chance to score. He allowed to pass him and um, Chamberlain was able to get free enough to score his 100th point. Uh, people, I don't know. I, I, maybe, I don't know if you got some more research, but as far as I was able to see, it, nobody knows if it was a lay-in or a dunk, uh, but it didn't matter because it was his 100th point regardless of, of how he got it. Yes. I, I, my understanding was that it was a dunk, but... Uh, I, That's what I I would have but he, we'll, we'll just go with dunk. You know, it's uh, it, it's sexier. We we like uh, you know, parental. It seems like yeah, parental yeah, legend. Yeah, like yeah, runner like a tip in. Yeah, right. Yeah, no fun. yeah. Um. And um, so, as you mentioned, there was no television broadcast of this game, and um, there was uh, no known copy of the radio broadcast uh, until 1988 when a uh, a copy of Bill Campbell's uh, broadcast of the fourth quarter, but only with the Warriors' possessions, was uncovered in, in 1988. Then two years later, there was a reel-to-reel with the full fourth quarter broadcast found, and then they ended up sort of being merged by the um, NBA, also including a bit of the post game, and that... Um, it's it's available online if you want to find it. it's also available at the end of the um 
of the Pomerantz book that we've uh, been discussing. So it's uh, it's it's fun to listen. You know, it's interesting to uh, to hear the um, you, you know the broadcast as as we've uh, mentioned before. Of course, there's not you know from the early days of the NBA, there's relatively little video. So um, you know, just being able to kind of hear it and um, it, it get a sense of it is uh, neat. Even though you know basketball is not the uh, best uh, radio sport ever. <laughs> right? No. No. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, sorry. We got no, the most important part of this entire game. Yes, this is the part that everybody has seen. Right? Sorry. Yes. Um, the the famous picture with Wilt holding uh, the uh, piece of paper with a hundred on it. Uh, that was Harvey Pollock's idea. Harvey Pollock was a uh, a, a famous NBA statistician. Um, basically, um, was around from the beginning of the league um, up until he 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 died. I think within the last year, year and a half or so. But had been um, with the Warriors and later with Seventy Sixers for um, you know. Um, for for you know, almost the entire time that the NBA has existed, um, and was very um, creative and inventive in keeping track of statistics and and um, developing more. And um, so he's, he's definitely a pioneer in that field, and just you know one of the um, interesting characters of the game. But um, you know, he walked over to a reporter, asked for a piece of copy paper on which he wrote the famous 100 black marker, then proceeded to hand it to Chamberlain, exclaiming, "Hold this, Wilt!" So it was basically his idea to have something to commemorate it, because otherwise there was, uh, you know. Uh, they didn't really know what to do because obviously, you know, they weren't expecting this and nothing like this had ever happened before. Yes. Um, and so, uh, interestingly enough, uh, how did the Warriors follow up this game? They defeated the Knicks by one. So that was uh, the Knicks uh, and the Warriors had a fun little tilt there, a little three game series in the middle of the yes. end of the season. Uh, how did Wilt do in that follow up? Uh, he sucked. He had 58. Come yeah. on, man. Like, Figure it I mean, out. If you're gonna be, <laughs> what are you doing? If you're gonna be 42 <laughs> points worse, in, you know, than you were before. I mean, that's that's not very good. Yeah, it's team only one by one. I mean, yeah. let's get some clutch. Let's go here. here we go. <laughs> Come on, like, what are we doing? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, you know, of course, the Knicks. They the, how did they follow it up? They lost to the Warriors again, uh, but they recovered. March sixth, they would defeat the uh, they would defeat the eventual champion Boston Celtics by seven points. There you go. They, uh, they took their lumps, but then they they you know showed Boston what's up, and you know it didn't really matter. They still only won 29 games, but hey, yes. Respect game, but a statement game from the uh, the New York Knicks. So. Yes, and unfortunately for uh, Philadelphia and I guess for Hershey, they would uh, leave the city at the end of the season. They would head west to San Francisco, where of course they um, well, I guess they're technically in Oakland, but they are in that area now, the the, uh, the Bay Area, um, and, uh, and things are going pretty well there right now. So, uh, so I hear, and. Um, uh, and our 100th fact is about the controversy over what happened to the game ball. Um, Carrie Ryman, who was 14 at the time from Hershey, had snuck into the game with his friends. Uh, after Will had scored 100, he ran to the floor, took the ball off Chamberlain's hands, eluded security guards to run clean out of the arena and all the way home where he kept the ball hidden away for decades. Uh, eventually went to auction off the ball in 1999 and an anonymous bid of uh, 551000 came in. However... It, others came out of the woodwork, including Harvey Pollock, Guy Rogers, Joe Rucklick, and Al Adels, who all had different stories about what happened to the ball um, at various places that it had been taken to or just had gone into a gym bag and Will kept it. Or um, Everyone kind of had a different uh, view of where it, it, it happened. Um, so they ended up having another auction that was held, and, and it was the idea that it was, well, it may not have been Wilt's game ball, but it was still a a ball from the game, and that's pretty good. And with it, and it ended up being sold for uh, for, for much less, somewhere around fifty fifty thousand dollars. So, uh, but fifty five hundred fifty one thousand, I believe, would have been the, the the second highest memorabilia other than the uh, the famous Hannes Wagner uh, baseball yes, card yeah. at the time. So, 
Yes. And that's it. That's all we have. That's 100. That's 100. So count it. Go back and count yes. it. Yes. Um, we even made up for ones that we missed. And I think we got a bonus one with uh, a little Elbert. So. Yeah, there we go. So it, it, we, we may have actually had more than 100. But, but we're, we're, you know, <laughs> that's all right. That That's... Uh, that's better. It's both. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, it's so, been awesome. It's been awesome doing these hundred shows. I like again. I can't believe that we did a hundred, but uh, it's it's incredible, and I can't wait to do another hundred and another hundred after that for sure. Yeah, because we got maybe this summer alone. We got <laughs> we, we do have a lot of this summer. This summer. So. I don't. I <laughs> might. I, we might be doing our two hundredth episode in uh, September, so we'll see how that goes. So. I don't know if it'll be quite that many, but we do have a lot planned, and um, I, I I think it'll be a lot of fun. So. Uh, and we still have some WrestleMania to go. Uh, a handful of uh, playoff rivers still to talk about, um, including the uh, our next episode, which will be a discussion about uh, the these Warriors taking on the uh, the Boston Celtics, of course, in some playoff series. So that should be a good time. 